Welcome to One Move at a Time, the U.S. chess podcast that explores people and organizations who are advancing our educational mission statement of empowering people through chess, one move at a time. Our goal is to give you ideas and methods you can use in your own community to help you build chess in your area. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit. You can find more information about us at uschess.org. You can become a member by clicking on the join button. And you can donate to our cause by clicking on the gift button. Thank you to USCF Sales for sponsoring this podcast. At the end of this recording, you can hear how you can win a $50 gift certificate to USCFSales.com. Now, let's welcome our guest to this month's pod. So I'm pleased to announce the Honorable Mayor Michael J. Ryan of Sunrise, Florida, to our initial recording of One Move at a Time. Mayor Ryan has been mayor of Sunrise, Florida since 2010 and re-elected twice. Sunrise has 92,000 residents, which is an interesting number because it's almost exactly the same number of members of the U.S. Chess Federation that we have. But Mayor Ryan has been doing some very interesting things with chess as a city initiative, so much so that Sunrise Florida was announced as the Chess City of the Year in 2015 by the U.S. Chess Federation. So I'm really excited to talk to him about all the initiatives happening in this city in Florida. Mayor Ryan, welcome to the One Move at a Time podcast. Good morning, Daniel. I'm proud to be here. You know, just so we can give some context to our listeners uh, about what is happening in Sunrise. Why don't you talk to us first about the demographics and the governance structure that you deal with, anything that might be of interest about the city of Sunrise? Well, Sunrise is located in Broward County, Florida, which is where most people think of Fort Lauderdale. We are along uh, the sawgrass, um, and, and we're as far west as you can pretty much go to the Everglades. Um, we're a very diverse city. Uh, that has grown up from being a golf village 40 years ago to now a, 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 a real economic powerhouse in the region with one of the largest corporate parks, uh, one of the most successful corporate parks, I, I could say, uh, and, and a very diverse culturally population uh, that has grown with Broward County. Uh, we are a city manager form of government, so the city manager runs the government. Uh, I, along with uh, four colleagues, uh, are the commissioners, and I was elected mayor in 2010. So in, in that kind of structure, does that essentially just mean the mayor is the, the boss of the commission? Well, no, I don't think I could go that far. I, I, uh, I uh, uh, help run the meetings, uh, and I'm ceremonially involved uh, in all of uh, the issues in the city. Uh, but up there, and it's important in this chess initiative, up there on the dais, uh, we're all equal. And this chess effort that we'll talk about today has really been a unanimous effort of the entire city commission. So what is your personal chess background? So I grew up, like most people, I, I learned from my dad, but I didn't really play that much, to be honest with you. Uh, my journey into community-based chess really started when I was a PTA president uh, at an elementary school, and a fifth-grade teacher came up to me and said, hey, I'd like to start a chess club. Uh, really, neither of us knew anything about that. It just seemed like a really cool idea. Uh, and, and really, the journey from that point has been 
pretty amazing in terms of both my submersion in community-based chess, but also in, in learning where we can do things better in introducing chess. Going from that PTA background, why did you decide to make chess such a visible presence in Sunrise and such a large part of what you're doing in, in, of your administration? And it, it, would you actually consider it a fair question to say it's a large part of your administration? I, I think it's a major component of what we do in the city. Is as we will outline, uh, we've tried to embed chess in, in really every element of what the city does at one level or another. The, the initial point, though, with this chess club, which was very interesting, um, I learned a lot from that experience. And the first thing I learned was that parents were uh, very motivated to have chess introduced to their children. So what the teacher and I had done is we prepared a flyer. Uh, we sent it out to all the students and all the parents. And typically what happens, particularly in the older grades of fourth and fifth, you know, those flyers sit at the bottom of a backpack till the end of the year when they get turned upside down and you, you find all the things that they were supposed to turn in earlier. But, but what we found very rapidly was an overwhelming response. And we had followed the, the traditional idea of what a chess club was. We were focusing on certain grades in part because we didn't know how to teach chess to, to younger uh, children. Uh, and we kind of looked around to see how others were doing it. What I learned from that process was that chess clubs are, are really not the best way to introduce chess into the community at large. And there are a number of reasons for that. Uh, first off, you know, traditionally, the, the, at least here locally, the chess clubs were focused on certain uh, characteristics or criteria. It might be certain grades, say fourth and fifth. It might be gifted. Uh, and as a result, immediately uh, there was these exclusionary criteria that was limiting the scope of how chess was being introduced. Second, uh, because of the typical after school club, uh, we were eliminating a large group of, of children who, for whatever reason, couldn't stay after school. In some cases, socioeconomic, sometimes it was family, but we were limiting the exposure uh, and we didn't intend to, but it was a natural outcome of how it was being structured. And then the third thing I learned was that these chess clubs are really, at least locally and in many places, one person away from extinction. You know, you usually get a really motivated teacher who thinks it's a great idea to introduce chess. Um, in our school district, which is the sixth largest in the nation, the chess advisors don't receive a stipend. So they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart. And when that person leaves or there are new priorities for the school, it's very rare to see somebody else step up, either because of time, but also I think a lot of folks are intimidated by chess and teachers included, by the way. And so as a result, these clubs tend to, to fall by the wayside. And then the last thing I, I, I figured out was that there really was no way, at least in our district, to know what schools had chess clubs. There was no central clearinghouse of information. And so that became a, an immediate frustration for me as a parent, even before I was elected. After I was elected, we began donating chess sets to all the schools because I was still in that, in that mode of trying to support chess clubs. 
And within a couple of years, I realized uh, all of the things that I, I knew were going on, but I had not really put down on paper. Uh, were being demonstrated across the 11 schools that I had donated chess sets. And that was wide variability. Some had uh, been extinguished. And, and we weren't getting to all the students we wanted. And that really was the turning point in how we began to develop a community-based chess. Well, thank you for such clearly outlining how what the steps you took were, because I think that's going to be very helpful to others who are interested in initiating similar programs in their locales. I'm, I'm curious, though, with this being a government-sponsored initiative, was there any real pushback from, from your constituents, you know, who are saying, you know what, we have potholes to worry about. Why are you doing this chess thing in our schools? That, that's a great question. Uh, in, in the first round of this, the donation of the chess sets came from me personally. So there were no funds dedicated. The The next step, which was really to the point of your question, was when the school district came to me and they wanted to introduce chess in the classroom through the first move program. And because the way the district is constructed, they didn't have the capacity to run a pilot project we went to the police department, and I think this is a really interesting component of how we did chess. In large part, it started with a commitment from our police chief who saw the value of chess, not only as a game, but as a, a tool for community policing. And the initial funding for the first three schools in this pilot project came from the police department and from forfeiture funds. And, and it was wildly successful, not only at the school level, but when the commission began to learn uh, about how powerful it was in the classroom and how motivated the students and parents were for the program, it, it was really the point at which I think us as a city and a commission realized that sometimes, you know, there are great programs out there that you have to sponsor because they pay dividends in ways that may not meet the traditional metrics, but you know are making a difference in your own community. And so this pilot program you're talking about, is this the one where you were able to add chess to the curriculum for every second and third grader in, in the district or just in a couple of schools? Well, we started in a couple of schools and we really weren't sure how it was going to go. Um, there were a lot of classrooms uh, in these three elementary schools and a lot of students in second and third grade. What we found was between the launch in October, roughly, uh, to mid-year, uh, the, the reports from the teachers who had been reticent to, to initiate this for a whole bunch of reasons. Some of it was intimidation by, of chess, and some of it was just a pure timing in a classroom, uh, were you know, wildly supportive of this, almost to the point that you wondered, you know, were they spokespersons for these programs because they were really enthusiastic? And of course, they weren't uh, spokespeople. They had just seen the benefits by mid-year, we went to the school district and they saw and confirmed and validated the, the anecdotal reports they were receiving. And by the following year, uh, it had been introduced in every one of the hundred over 100 elementary schools in Broward County uh, in the second and third grades. And that went on for a, a few years and it was very, very successful in at least introducing chess. So how was the curriculum developed for the chess program? So uh, 
it was developed through the first move program, which they have an, uh, not only in the United States, but I've had the benefit of, of being in the UK and seeing the program there. Um, that was once a week and it was really out of a box, if you will, they could put on the DVD and go through, uh, the lessons and then participate in the class and try to, uh, you know, orient what they were learning that day, uh, to the chess, uh, uh, plans that had been initiated. It was, a, you know, it was very well done, um, you know, to a mammoth program in the sixth largest district. Um, but it was well received. And, and, and what I saw overseas was similar results in the classrooms with the teachers. Um, you know, you would get some astounding comments from second and third graders about how they were learning about vectors and, and, and really, you know, pre-algebraic uh, equations when you're dealing with point systems and things like that. So it, it was very, very successful. I went on, like I said, for a few years until it's, it's kind of migrated to a new program. And the school district is still running something like that in the second grade right now. But but that was really the, our first, uh, and I don't want to say first move again, but that was our first move towards trying to say, look, we have something here. Let's expand this beyond um, second and third grade. And let's develop a culture of chess that, that is focused on introducing it in all aspects. And you've been, I would say, wildly successful with this culture of chess development because uh, you know, I, I'm looking here at a summary of Sunrise initiatives uh, involving chess, uh, and it, it shows to me that chess has really become a part of the culture of your community. Can you can you talk about how it has expanded? Yeah, and and really a, a key uh, another key point in this history uh, involves Hikaru Nakamura. And I'll back up just a little bit. When I had seen the documentary Brooklyn Castle, I was really moved by um, what chess could do um, for all students. And I contacted the executive producer, Robert McClellan, and had said to him, look, I really want to start doing more chess in my community. We began a dialogue in that regard. And he was uh, very good friends with Sunil Wiramantri. And through Robert, we began to intersect. I invited Hikaru down to Sunrise, uh, a, a fact for your listeners. Sunrise is the home of the National Hockey League Florida Panthers, and Hikaru is a big hockey fan. So we had uh, gotten with the owners of the Panthers, who are big advocates for chess, uh, and put on an event, Chess and Hockey, so we had a, a big chess event and then the hockey game and Hikaru dropped the puck uh, to open that particular game. From that discussion and that dialogue, Hikaru and Sunil and Robert and I really began talking about how do we move on from the traditional chess club? How do we deal with the fact that we just simply don't have enough uh, chess instructors or chess mentors and develop this, this idea that culminated in what we have now, which is called the Sunrise Center for the Excellence in Chess, which is not a brick and mortar center, but rather is an organic uh, organization supported by the city commission and run with the help of Robert and Sunil, the National Scholastic Chess Foundation, to introduce chess in as many areas as possible uh, not only in our community, but to build a template for other communities 
and to expand chess into other communities. I was very amused by the the story about Hikaru and the Florida Panthers because I'm thinking about the old joke about hockey games and fights and thinking, well, so you went to a hockey game and a chess match broke out this time. <laughs> That's right. It's great. It was a, it was an ironic setting for it. Uh, but, but as it turns out, you know, it's interesting. The owners of the Florida Panthers who run a, a trading house in, in New York are, are big advocates for the power of chess. Many of their traders play chess. And there's some legendary stories that in interviewing some of uh, their new traders, they would ask them if they could play chess. And then if somebody happened to say yes, they would test them by bringing in one of the other traders to see whether they had game, so to speak. I mean, they understand the power of, of the critical thinking skills associated with, with chess. And it, it actually turned out to be a much more natural fit than you would have thought. Well, it's I, I'm not surprised to hear that because, you know, there's there's other sports, uh, you know, NFL and and Major League Baseball, where it, I've heard that chess is, can be very popular in certain clubhouses uh, for during their downtime. So it's it, but it's the first time I've heard about it tied to hockey. So that's very interesting. Yeah, we even talked about trying to duplicate, as you know, maybe the, some years ago, the NBA had a, a great little piece on chess. Uh, and the NBA players. And we tried to figure out if we could uh, pull some of the hockey players together and do something similarly for hockey. And our listeners may find it uh, interesting to know that Robert McClellan, that uh, Mayor Ryan mentioned, used to be the director of marketing for the U.S. Chess Federation. And Sunil Raramantri uh, is is well known as a, a very active chess volunteer uh, in, the, in the Federation as well. So I, I'm, I'm glad to hear about that connection directly with U.S. Chess. Um, so going back a little bit to the curriculum and uh, having chess in, in the schools, what kind of benchmarks for success have you uh, set to, to determine whether or not it's chess is achieving the, the goals that you want it to achieve? Well, first, let me outline that one of the challenges we have at our city commission is that we don't run our schools. The Broward County School Board is a separately elected school board that runs the schools. And so... Um, we don't cite the schools as we don't locate those schools where they need to be the school district does. And, and so while we have 11 public schools in our city, we don't only educate sunrise residents, um, in some schools, maybe over half the students come from other cities. So there's this, um, there isn't a clear linkage for what we can do in the schools. And it makes it very challenging for, me to introduce, let's say, just in our schools, a, a curriculum. And, and recognizing that, we had to come at this a little differently. Um, first of all, in terms of, to your question about the metrics and how do we measure, we, we knew that we weren't going to be in a position to track uh, reading comprehension or, or performance on math tests. But going back to when I had first been introduced to the chess club environment in the elementary school, the anecdotes were powerful enough to continue to motivate us. I'll give one that I'm sure others have seen. In the early goings of the first chess club that we ran at that elementary school, the fifth grade teacher came to me and he said that there was a particular student who had not performed necessarily well on the traditional testing uh, apparatus. And, you know, traditionally had this view in order to perform well at chess, you have to be great in school. What he found was this particular student 
began to excel on the board and much to his surprise, uh, began to dominate within the class, despite the fact that he was not testing well on the traditional test. And what, what came from that was we recognized early on that, you know, for some students, um, this is a way of teasing out the critical thinking skills that they do have there that perhaps for traditional public school uh, methods don't, don't really unleash. And, and so for us from the beginning, we recognized that we were not going to focus on such things as being able to test reading comprehension and, and the like, nor were we going to focus on trophies necessarily. Um, you might find this interesting, but even in talking to Akaro and Sunil, our goal was never to measure the success of what we did in the community by the number of trophies that any of our student participants would, would go on to win. Obviously, we would like that to happen, but we were going to measure it by the number of students who participated, stayed in chess at one level or another, and then were able to follow the reports from parents and and teachers as to how they were performing. So we had to start with this problem of we don't control the classroom. We're not going to be able to measure the metrics necessarily, but we are firmly convinced in the benefits of it. And so how we moved forward was really trying to figure out how do we introduce chess to the community at large and students at large where we can't necessarily get in the classroom. And that was really the theme of the Sunrise Center for Excellence in Chess. Talk more about the center. I know you mentioned it's a brick and mortar building. No, it's not a brick and mortar. And that's what's really interesting. I've been to St. Louis and the chess club there is just absolutely fantastic. Um, been to the world, you know, chess hall of fame and, and everything uh, that's there. And we just don't have the resources to build such a, a brick and mortar program. What we had to do is we had to figure out how do we put uh, boots on the ground, use existing partnerships and resources to be able to do what we wanted in the community. And so as a result, the, the concept of the Sunrise Center was to act as, uh, as a hub, for a lack of a better word, with the spokes of community chess uh, reaching from the center, but all linked together in one way or another. So when the commission agreed to, to fund this in partnership with NSCF, um, we began introducing the programs in, in various uh, capacities. So for instance, in our summer camps where we already have an existing infrastructure, every one of our summer camps, and it's probably about a thousand students, has chess introduced throughout the summer, even the summer camp that's dedicated you know, really to athletics, uh, they have as a portion of their curriculum uh, chess that's not only uh, introduced, but also lessons. And, and in order to do that, we recognized that we had to build um, uh, an infrastructure of personnel. And so with Sunil and Robert, um, we generated what's, what's been called the demystifying chess workshop series, where to this point, we've probably instructed over 500 people, including police officers and firefighters and principals, elected officials, uh, aftercare, summer camp, uh, early learning, folks to, to go through the workshop to be introduced to chess sufficiently that they can, can mentor a club or can initiate the process. And that's probably the best example of, of how the Sunrise Center works. 
and and as I said, from there we introduce it in a, a number of different areas, including uh, uh, we have chess for veterans, we have chess in the in the libraries that are free, we have free open play every Saturday at our at our city. Um, we do aftercare programs uh, over the summer. There's been partnerships with providers, and so we try to get into all different areas, including adult daycare, um, which focuses on adults who are, are challenged and the reports we're receiving from those programs and from those providers really continue to motivate us to keep going. That's particularly interesting. How is giving chess to, to the seniors, how is that proven different or more of a challenge than to providing it to the scholastic community? Yeah, that, your question is excellent because one of the things that we learned early on is that one size doesn't fit all, right? We know that you know, viscerally. Uh, because what you do in early learning is different than what you do in eighth grade, right? We know that. Uh, and so for the chess program, your metrics you know, for an adult daycare are far different. You're not testing necessarily for reading comprehension or, again, you know, math scores. You're, you're testing really for the anecdotal socialization issues. And um, so as a result, as you introduce the game, you're trying to really um, – tease out one of the great aspects of chess, which is the development of patience, right? So for, you know, what the daycare staff report to us is that they've seen an increased willingness of the participants to communicate with staff and other patients and to have additional patience when, uh, you know, waiting for restrooms or waiting for delays that, you know, would often cause anxiousness and, and this is something that we know we see in students who are young and have maybe attention issues that once they begin being able to focus on the board for 40 minutes, uh, we know that they can perform better in tests because they've improved their focus. We're seeing that translated into these adult programs and the adult daycare programs. And, and this year we're going to begin launching a cooperative um, with Boy Scouts and others to start going into our assisted living facilities, uh, which I'm sure your listeners recognize that Florida is a has a significant retirement population. And in our assisted living facilities, we really uh, want to start providing chess to try to tease out some of these other socialization metrics um, that are important, as well as obviously the, um, the, the cognitive activity that we know has to happen. That's Really cool to hear about the the Boy Scout involvement because, as you may know, the uh, the Chess Merit Badge has become one of the most popular ones for the Boy Scouts. Um, so hopefully, this is providing an opportunity for them to earn that merit badge. Yeah, no question. And and you know, part of that discussion um, and how we're, we're formulating this was inspired, you know, by by Rex and the and the team at at St. Louis, and they talked about a lot about the Boy Scouts. And so we're going to plug into to that organization and then focus on, you know, you know, introducing that play in the assisted living facilities. Again, the metrics here um, are not going to be, you know, based upon scoring. It's going to be about what we learn from the staff and what we begin to see in terms of activity. And it was key in developing this, this community-based model that we not try to apply um, you, you know, scientific methods to every aspect of success. 
And, and to the great credit of the commission, they continue to fund this and, and point out that, you know, frankly, they see chess everywhere uh, in the city. We've had chess at probably over 100 events in the past year uh, and everything from our concert series to uh, typical events and our, and our police officers are playing. And so our metrics are different. Um, and, and if you're going to build a community-based program, it's important to really kind of use these examples for funders to explain to them that your metrics are exposure and penetration as well as, you know, verified anecdotal data. And I'm, I'm curious because you, you mentioned with your, uh, when you were introducing it to the community, you were, you, you would, run workshops where you'd kind of demystify chess. That kind of suggests that you've probably heard some interesting misconceptions from parents about the game of chess. Do, do any of those uh, jump to the front of your head? Yeah, there's no question. I, I let me give you a good example. One of the programs that um, we launched here in Broward County five years ago is called the Mayor's Chess Challenge. And uh, Broward County has 31 separate cities or municipalities it began as a couple of mayors saying, let's, you know, put on a program where we can celebrate the power of chess. And there was some fun play uh, amongst the elected officials. Um, we sat, we found it to be, you know, very successful. Where we are now is that 19 of the 31 municipalities in this coming school year will host a free event in their own city on a different Saturday. Uh, that represents about 1.5 million of the residents here in Broward County. Uh, and these events have been so successful drawing out students. But what we've seen is that parents are incredibly intimidated by chess. Um, there's still, you know, nobody wants to lose to their eight year old in anything. Uh, and it's happening rapidly here in Broward County. And so part of our challenge is in the coming years to, is to try to get more parents to, to sit down and, and just learn the basics, understanding that it won't be long until their child beats them. Uh, but we see that pretty, pretty much across the board, that parents will bring their children there, but they don't really know how to play. So with the Mayor's Chess Challenge, has that translated into any copycat programs in Broward County or elsewhere in Florida? So certainly here in Broward, uh, the mayors have really, and, I, and I'm so proud of my colleagues around the, the county, you would think organizing something like this would be really difficult, but it, but it hasn't been, you know, I send out an email to all the mayors and I'd say, pick your dates. And it only takes us a couple of weeks to fill up the calendar. Um, and then the, the important thing is that while we provide ideas on, on what they can do for their events or what they can do in their community, each community has a different, you know, uh, character profile, if you will. And, and what works in one may not work in another um, it's very organic and we share information. Um, I don't, I don't think that there's probably anywhere else in the country where you see as many mayors and elected officials coming out to support chess, uh, in a routine way, uh, for no other reason as a community based program. You know, we're not, we're not here because the world chess championship is going to be here and everybody's there for a photo ops or whatever they're, they're really honestly celebrating the power and the fun of chess. And, and one of the kind of cool things, and it was an idea of one of the Sunrise students, was we uh, generated what's called a passport. So every student at the beginning of the chess um, challenge year will get what is a printout, a card, 
that has all the cities listed. And they go to each of these chess challenges and the mayors sign them like you would a passport and they collect the signatures from all the ones they've gone to. And it's pretty amazing to see how many parents will drive their children to these events throughout the county. It's, it's, it's really motivating. And the benefit of that passport, too, is uh, with this one, they don't have to worry about going through TSA checkpoints and that hassle. Right. They can bring their own water. There's no problem with yeah. that. <laughs> right. Um, so one of the goals with this podcast is to provide ideas for uh, communities throughout the country uh, for, for getting getting chess out there. And so with what you've done in Sunrise, if, if there's another community, if somebody says, you know what, we don't have chess in our schools, we don't have chess in our community, we, we really want to get it, uh, we want to get government backing, would you say the, the first step is after school programs or should they jump straight to the curriculum idea? What are some initial steps? That's a great question. I, and again, it depends on whether or not the, the local community controls the curriculum in any way or can influence. Like I said, we're not really in that position. So if you're in a position where you, you can't, uh, find a curriculum and, and get it introduced, which can often take a lot of time, right, to to bring everybody on board, including the teachers and administrators. There are a couple of things that are very simple to do. Uh, one, and, and this is not unique. There's a lot of departments that do this. Uh, our police officers go to chess events. They spend a lot of time playing chess, not only in our community, but they'll go to the other mayor's chess challenges. The, the, the point there is that there's an ability to use this as part of community policing. It, in our situation, because chess has become so influential, our bicycle patrol, police bicycle patrol, will actually hand out travel chess sets when they stop and see students. And we give them a card for free instruction uh, to come to open place. So there's some things you can do through your police department. Second, uh, all communities have some sort of events, whether it's concerts or, uh, you know, school-based community events that maybe the city puts on, just put a tent out and, and put out some chess sets and, and you can watch people gravitate to them. Uh, third, you know, to the extent you have summer camps where you provide aftercare, which is different than the after-school program, but, but traditional aftercare for parents who are unable to pick up their students, it's much easier to introduce chess in an aftercare program because you're not necessarily focused on a curriculum, though you will provide some lessons, but you can you can reach and penetrate a very large community uh, of students and, and potentially those who really need to have exposure to it. Those are just some of the ideas that have been pretty successful for us. Um, again, the goal has always been to, to get to a point where it's not unusual to see a child or a student unfurl a, a chessboard in a in a restaurant and begin playing chess. Thank you for those steps, Mike. And listeners, they have such a long list of initiatives that they've done successfully in Sunrise. I'm going to post this on our uschess.org podcast page so you can easily see that. Uh, I'll also post, uh, we, we've done a couple of stories in Chess Life magazine over the years about Sunrise, and I will also post PDFs of, of those articles. And and Mike, are you okay if listeners contact you uh, for if they have questions? And if so, how should they contact you? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, this has always been meant to try to develop a, a template. And, you know, we've learned some things that, that didn't work and, and we try to focus on things that do. So I'm always happy to intersect with anybody who's motivated in a community-based chess program. They can contact me 
at my email address at the city, which is M Ryan, R Y A N at sunrise fl.gov. I'd like to leave you with one last question here. Um, and this is going to sound very much like what have you done for me lately? Uh, especially after we talked about this lengthy list of initiatives, but what, what's planned for the future? in Sunrise? So uh, that's a great question. And, and each year we're trying to, to take it up another step. There, there's two things that we have significantly planned this year. One is, as I said, uh, working on the assisted living uh, facilities issue. And in part that, uh, you know, generated from a discussion we were having internally because of our own demographics. But interestingly enough, I know the USCF is looking at this very closely as well as a new area uh, to introduce uh, chess and, and to encourage healthcare insurers to understand the value of it. So we're going to focus, focus heavily on that. And we hope to generate some, like I said, anecdotal metrics from that and, and create some baseline information. The other thing we're doing this year is we're focusing on young women in chess. And we've called it the year of the chess queens here in Sunrise. Um, we really want to expand uh, the, the introduction to young women and keeping young women in chess um, through not only, you know, scouts, but through the, you know, traditional ways. And, and, you know, we, we need to recognize that, um, that there are these, uh, these dynamics, um, that, that are for young women that, that we need to kind of break through, particularly in the younger ages. And that has to do with the disparity between young boys and young, young girls and how young boys feel about playing against young women. And so we're really trying to, to break down those barriers and, and to uh, demonstrate to, to young men and young boys, as well as the community, that, that women can compete, uh, that they can play chess, that they're, they're good at this game, and there shouldn't be any reason to, to feel when they sit across from the board that either if you're a young man, that if you lose, that that's you know, terrible that you lost to a girl, or that for the young woman that she should feel any less uh, capable on the board. So we're really focusing on, on those issues this year. Oh, that's really great to hear. And, and listeners, if you haven't already seen our Girls in Chess video that's available on the on the uschess.org site, uh, and that was introduced on the New Yorker's website, it was uh, co-executive produced by our own senior digital editor, Jennifer Shahadi, please take a look because it speaks very much in a tear at the heartstrings approach to these points that Mayor Ryan just mentioned. Yeah, Daniel, and I, and I have to tell you that that video is is so good. It's so exciting for young women in chess. But as you point out, if you take a moment and really uh, listen to what they're saying, there are things that we have to address. And I'll just give you one final anecdote on that. When I circulated that uh, girl slay in chess to our uh, recreation department, our director had taken some time to get to the email. And then when she finally saw it, uh, she emailed me and was just so motivated uh, to, to play a role in this. So uh, kudos to, to your team and USCF team and, and Jennifer for what they did, because it's having a real impact right here in our local community. Well, that is great to hear. And on such a positive note, let me say thank you for joining us, uh, Mayor Ryan. You were a wonderful first guest on our initial podcast, so uh, I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate all the efforts that you and your team are doing in Sunrise, Florida to expand the visibility of chess. And I thank USCF for being such an amazing partner over the years to be able to bounce off ideas and find resources. Uh, you guys have been absolutely fantastic, and 
Uh, I think we're really turning the corner on how to introduce chess in America, and you guys are really at the center of it, and I really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome, and that's wonderful to hear. So thank you, and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to One Move at a Time. Our theme music was composed by Alex King, a national master who lives in Memphis, Tennessee. For a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to uscfsales.com, send your name and phone number to letters at uschess.org and put One Move at a Time in the subject line. I hope that you've learned something new about how to build chess within your community. Join us next month for another Chess World personality and more good ideas.